This is the Green Machine Podcast midweek show. I'm Nick and I'm joined today by David and Breen to bring you a few little bits of news. We'll be chatting about how our players got on over the weekend. We'll be chatting about some fans' calls to include Dave McGoldrick, should he be available in the squad next week. We'll chat about the Serbia squad and we'll be discussing with Breen should this international window actually happen given the circumstances of the world at the moment. How are you doing, guys? Good, good. How are you? I'm still good. Still can't believe the Harry and Meghan thing. Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's actually what we're going to be starting off on. So, yeah. <laughs> Is I, Harry a secret Republican? Yes. Uh, <laughs> do you know what? I swear to God, I couldn't give. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to swear. I, I'm making a new deal, Lance. I'm not going to swear anymore. And I'm not going to use the F word anyway. I'm going to try. But I couldn't give one of those F words about the whole situation. And it's just everywhere you go, Twitter. I like my Twitter to be football. And it's just Harry and Meghan, Harry and Meghan, Harry and Meghan. I was like, Irish people talking about it. It's like, come on. The best the best thing I've seen related to it, I had open my, my Instagram this morning. I think I shared it with you lads as well. We have a little WhatsApp group. And it was just, uh, you know, the raw little quote. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot right. of good memes. There's a lot, there's of, a good lot of good stuff. But, and, and, and in fairness to to, uh, to Irish people watching it, because I did watch it myself last night, just out of curiosity, is it is like there being a house on fire next door to you, and you're like, it doesn't really affect the detached house. Doesn't yeah. really affect me, but it's very interesting to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Onto the football lads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so starting off, so we so David has done up a fantastic little chart here of how the lads got on over the weekend and how they've been getting on in general. Just just in regards to the squad from the last set of games and then I suppose players that are just outside the squad as well. So one of the glaring things and a big concern for all of us at the moment is the goalkeeping situation because we had the first concern that the likes of Darren Randolph was on the bench every week. Weaving Kelleher was on the bench every week. Mark Travers got a little bit of game time and now he's back on the bench at Bournemouth. But now we've got the added issue that not only are Kelleher and Randolph out of the team, but they're also carrying injuries. So is there anything worse than having goalkeepers who haven't played and aren't fully fit coming into the squad in in March? Well, the end of March, we're into March now. No, I mean, whatever about, you know, you, you can always pair a centre-back up maybe not quite up to task and he can be talked through the game by by a centre back partner and you know different parts are in the pitch but the goalkeeper is just sort of uh you know he's on his own really isn't he and it's a worry I mean it was a worry anyway but uh, to be fair Randolph when he's called upon doesn't seem to do a bad job for us regardless and even Gallagher when he's been thrown into the deep end at Liverpool he's always done a job but we may not have either one of those available um come towards the end of the month do you, do you know what's going on with Callagher Breen as a Liverpool fan? Because it was uh, an unspecified just, injury. Yeah, I think he just had a knock. Um, now there were talk. There was talk last week when Adrian played against Sheffield United because Allison was on compassionate leave. There was talk that he was supposed to be back in training this week. So I, I would suspect that he probably would be fit by the time the um, international break rolls around. But you know, I think in terms of a goalkeeper not playing. Yes, you can, you know, David's point is correct there, there's no one beside him, but it's also probably not the worst position in the world to not have a goalkeeper, to have someone coming in who hasn't really been playing because they still do quite intense work in yeah, training right, day yeah. in, day out with their partners um, in, in the goalkeeping staff. And yes, they wouldn't play, but I think it is one of those positions that it doesn't always see action. So, yeah. and as you well, said, look at Sergio Romero. I mean, Argentina are one of the best teams in the world. I mean, Sergio Romero has, hasn't 
hasn't been a number one for several years yeah. now and and you know they're one of the best countries in the world so yeah if there's any comparison Kelleher, that could be a good one Keller not being in, in the team isn't really because he's not good enough or doing well he's a young goalkeeper and he's behind one of the best goalkeepers in the world who's obviously going through a bad spell at the moment but I think a Randolph there is kind of that question of when he went back to West Ham was like is this uh is this a move forward is this a lateral move is it a backwards yeah. move I'm still obviously he hasn't played really played so you'd say it was a bit of a backwards move from being the number one at a championship side so yeah, and I mean, if you look outside that trio, so Mark Travers, as we mentioned, got a string of games for Swin- Swindon, as I say, Swinford, <laughs> Swinford County Mail. So run against for Swinford before coming back to Bournemouth. And, you know, he's out, he's out of the squad already. And I mean, even when Travers was getting a bit of a run for Bournemouth, I always felt he had a bit of a mistake in him. So it would be quite difficult if we end up in a situation where Mark Travers does step into the number one position and he's not even playing for Bournemouth. But... Kieran Westwood as well was getting a good run of games, you know. I mean, Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday were playing well. They're keeping a few clean sheets, and he's been injured the last couple of weeks. Surprise, surprise, and they've had a real downward spiral. So, a few calls on the page for uh, Gavin Bizzuno to come in. Yeah, I think Bizzuno will be a good shout. He's obviously having a very good season um, with uh, Rochdale. With Rochdale, yeah, and, and, he, and he's doing quite well. But I think the other thing is, like with Travers and with... Kelleher or, or Bazunu or whoever was to come in, say Randolph and Kelleher weren't fit. Um, you know, everyone has to get past it. Every team has to get past the 10 other players. And yes, you want to be able to rely on your goalkeeper. But I think because they have to concentrate for probably less of the game than, than other um, their, their teammates, generally I think they'd, they'd be okay, whoever comes in. So I wouldn't be too worried myself yeah. that if Travers played or Bazunu played. Yes, it might be a, a, a difficult, a, a strange experience, but away in Serbia, there's not going to be a crowd, so it won't be as intimidating to be able to kind of gather their thoughts a bit more and, and, and go from there. And they're kind of on to, you know, if they don't, if it doesn't go well for them, you know, they're going to have other opportunities going forward in the future. So I wouldn't be putting too much pressure on them myself. I think it Before, depends. Yeah, though, sorry, David. Sorry to cut across thing. I think it depends as well on the player, obviously, because some players can, you know, they need to be playing week in, week out, otherwise they get rusty, and some can just sort of go in, do a job, and then, you know, just go on the bench then again for another few months. Um, I don't think we're going to be too bad in the goalkeeping front, per se. I think it's it depends on the defence in front of him, because obviously with the likes of Shane Duffy, um, who's, you know, hasn't played for Celtic over the last two games, and, and if he if he... If he continues that form that he has with Ireland, I'd be worried there. I, I wouldn't feel confident having having him in front of me. Is Shane Duffy start? I for think Ireland? he will. I think he will. Um, I don't think he should, but I don't. But I think he will, um, because he's obviously the vice captain, and he is seen as a leader. But he's having a torrid time club level, having a torrid time on a personal level. And as I said, if there's anyone who I've been saying this for months, if there's anyone who needs a break, a holiday, just away from it, it's Shane Duffy. I wouldn't play him. I would be a bit worried having a an inexperienced goalkeeper behind him. Um, I thought, other than the goal that he scored for us against Bulgaria <laughs> last season, he our only goal under Stephen Kenny. I thought he was a liability. He's poor on the ball. I think he's poor on the ball anyway. Um, but even his bread and butter of winning tackles and winning headers and just sort of, you know, being that man mountain at the back, he wasn't doing that. And that's because it's a lack of confidence because his head is not right. 
So I would be very, very concerned if he's playing in front of a very experienced goalkeeper. I think we could be really, really dancing on ice here. Yeah, I think when logic kind of comes into it, I mean, I watched West Brom against Newcastle at the weekend. I thought I thought Kieran Clark was excellent, getting in front of absolutely everything. I thought Darrow Shea didn't, didn't have as much to do. Newcastle were poor. Jeff Hendrick as well, very poor again. But O'Shea had that kind of, you know, modern, contemporary kind of centre-half kind of vibe to him, you know, comfortable on the ball, fairly pacey. And I kind of looked at that and I thought, you've got O'Shea, the modern-day fullback, quite pacey, quite young, and you've got Kieran Clark, who's got whatever, a decade of experience of, of Premier League football, left-footed, a bit more physical. Actually, funnily enough, comfortable on the ball as well, I think. And Kenny Cunningham actually yeah. remarked on that. And and on the basis of it, I kind of looked at it and said, that is the most balanced partnership that you're going to get at the moment with John Egan out injured, Shane Duffy out of form, Kevin Long not playing. Kevin Long could be an outside bet as well. I, I think I, you've made some good points there, Anna, but I think with, with Duffy... Duffy wouldn't be my first choice to start. Um, Duffy, like, if I'm being totally honest, was never really my first choice. I, I didn't rate him, and then he came in during the Euros and, and played the other game and, and did quite well. And you know, obviously, he's become a bit of a leader within the group, but he's not exactly my cup of tea. But it'd be a brave move from Stephen Kenny to drop him. Like, if we're being yeah. totally honest, this is you know, it would be seen as kind of a, a risk, and I a risk I hope he take, but. I'm I'm wondering, is he brave enough to say no? I'm not going to play. He's not um, brave Sam enough. Duffy. Yeah, he's, that, not, that's... he's not. He's not brave enough. Like he, he hasn't dropped. He did. He should have dropped him. Um, it was it was clear he needed a break during the last um few games last year. Uh, the central midfielders picking Harry Arter over Josh Cullen, this sort of stuff. Persistent with Jeff Hendrick. Yeah, persistent with Jeff Hendrick. I mean, you you need to be brave. You've got to make these decisions. It's if it's not working. And you persist with these players, they will cost you your job, and it will cost. And if he doesn't start getting brave soon, they will. He will lose his job if he's not uh, brave enough and bold enough to just draw a line under and say, "Right, lads, sorry." It's yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Well, yeah, but I think on the other, the flip side of that is that there's obviously some powers within the FAI, as we saw with the the leak um, and the, yeah. the whole fiasco before Christmas. There is obviously some parties within the FAI that that kind of do want to maybe move Stephen Kenny on and find any excuse so you know he has to find that balance right just be brave and go for it and then if at the end of all of this you have been brave and it hasn't worked out you say well I still did it or you know you can kind of die on your knees and say well no I still played the same old shower that never really kind of hasn't done it in the last few years but so it, it, it is going to be a very interesting um, pick I think uh, an hour before the, the Serbia game Absolutely. And just to go through a little bit of news regarding the rest of the defenders. So Cyrus Cruiseship team of the month and Derek Williams moving from Blackburn Rovers to LA Galaxy. So he's actually of American descent, I believe. So very interesting move. So good luck to him. And I suppose following the footsteps of, of Robbie Keane. So moving on to the midfielders, lads, really briefly. So not a huge amount to report, really. My big concern, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of looking through it. I mean, we know that Jack Byrne is out injured. Uh, James McLean's out injured as well for the, the qualifiers. One thing that's concerning me is Jason Malumbi because I yeah. think Kenny's a massive fan of Malumbi. I think you know he was more or less selected over Josh Cullen and Alan Brown, arguably enough as well, like in the last set of, of qualifiers and Jason Knight. And any time I've seen, I mean, I've, I've watched a couple of Preston's games, in particular the game against Blackburn, and he came on with a few minutes ago and he was 
very sloppy, didn't look sharp at all. Um, I love Malumbi. As we've compared him to Roy Keane, not ability-wise, but in terms of his playing style. He, he's very similar in terms of that just, you know, box-to-box role, very robust, very fearless. But I, he's another guy that I'd be a little bit concerned about, Kenny not being brave about, and Jeff Hendrick as well. Again, watched him against West Brom at the weekend, completely oblivious. And these two lads, talents, no doubt. But if you're going to Belgrade with the two of them in midfield, I'd be overly concerned about that. What with uh, Malumbi in midfield? Yeah, well, Malumbi and Hendrick. Yeah, it, it's a bit of an. For me, I've, I've said it sort of blue in the face on this. Malumbi in the middle, Malumbi playing behind Cullen, and I, I think is our future. Um, it is a bit of a worry that Malumbi has gone to Preston. I mean, he was playing week in week out for Millwall the previous season. Hadn't yeah. really done anything at Brighton. You know, the manager clearly highly rates him. He hasn't really put too much of a foot wrong. Uh, when he's played for Ireland, I, I thought when he came on against England, he was just yeah. he was just a massive ma- excellent against Wales as well. Didn't he get yeah, the he's as well? just energetic, nips at you, aggressive, wants to you know yet again wants to play the ball forward, constantly looking for the forward pass, full of energy, full of life. Um, and the fact now that this moved to Preston, I wasn't a big fan of him going to Preston because you know the graveyard of Irish footballers. Really. It is the, it is the graveyard of Irish football. It really really is. And he maybe should have gone back to Millwall. They wanted him. I don't know why that didn't work out. Why he didn't go back to Millwall? Because they loved him there, and yeah. he loved it. Well, there, they were so. looking. They were looking at buying him, weren't they? As opposed to loaning him. So uh, yeah, I think, I think the fee was an issue. Yeah, so that's probably okay. Fair enough, but it is a worry. But you never know. Maybe playing him in an international game might actually kickstart him and might give um, the manager at Preston. I can't think. Is Glenn Ray? Is it? Alex Ray. Uh, Alex Neil, yeah. Alex Neil. Ray? Alex Neil. Um, both Scottish. Uh, yeah, both Scottish. Kind of got, kind of looked the same. Um, it might give him something to think about if he goes and he puts a performance in against Serbia. So I'd still go with him. I'd still go with him because uh, Stephen Kenny will have him for a few days and he will get the message through. He rates him very highly and has a great relationship between player and manager there. So I think Stephen Kenny should persist with Malumbi because I'll tell you what lads if the other option there is uh, Jeff Hendrick um yeah I I, I think a, a traffic home with an iron jersey would probably put up more of a at least to be an obstacle for the opposition yeah. you know but uh, yeah I, I think definitely go with Malumbi he's not as fresh he's not as sharp as we'd like him but this is the way forward those three are the way forward and the more game time to get the more cohesion we get and the yeah. better it is for Irish football yeah, and speaking of game time, Conor Harrahan getting an assist at the weekend, coming off the bench actually. So he's playing in a number 10 role at Swansea. They're playing with the back three and he's playing just behind the centre forward, which is interesting. And another guy who's getting a bit of a bit of action and playing quite well and getting a bit of momentum behind him is Ryan Manning. He's playing at left wing back as well. So another another option in there. So Callum Adouda as well came back from injury. Well, he came back from injury today, I think, for the Bristol under 23s now. Yeah. Whether or not he's going to be included is, is questionable. I don't know. And Callum Robinson scoring. For the West Brom under 23s yesterday, so it's concerning when you're when you're seeing a number of players at under 23 level as opposed to to senior level. Uh, uh, I suppose someone that we can't really go without speaking about is David McGoldrick. So a lot of conspiracy theories that he's going to make a comeback next week. Brian, what's your thoughts on that? You've been quite vocal about this in terms of what what you feel uh, is is going to happen there as a conspiracy well, theorist. Cool. 
<laughs> conspiracy theorists by any stretch. <laughs> I, I resent that accusation. Um, I think obviously McGoldrick deleted his um, retirement post from his Instagram, which seems to suggest that maybe he's kind of looking and saying, well, you know, actually there is still a place for me. I could still do this. Um, I think he was, may have been th- uh, considering that Sheffield United might still be a Premier League team next year. Um, and that's probably not going to be the case. So yeah. he probably looked at it now and said, well, maybe maybe playing international football is still a good outlet um, for me. If, in terms of his actual, you know, should he be in the squad? Do we need him? The answer is yes. I mean, I've watched Sheffield United a couple of times in the last few weeks when he's been playing. And, and yeah. you know, like for, for all Sheffield United's faults and for all Dizzy's lack of goals in both the Premier League and both for Ireland, his work off the ball and his work, you know, getting on the ball and linking play is, is almost second to none. And it's yeah. definitely second to none within our squad. Um, so I look up front to the options and Shane Long has gone on loan and playing quite well and, and, and getting game time, which is good for him. Yeah, but I'm kind of James like, Collins has a few goals as well, and uh, well, Aaron Connolly yeah. getting a bit of game time, but not really scoring. Adam Ida's come back into the Norwich team, so I it's yeah. There's still the st- lack of goals is the is the concern, but but, but yeah. what McGoldrick brings is an all round game as opposed to just goals as but a centre forward. Yeah, that that's my point. Is that you know I think the less said about Collins the better, but the the <laughs> the, the way the, the football that Kenny is trying to play, Dizzy McGoldrick is. Absolutely suited to that. Whether it's yeah. on the ground or whether it's you know you know sometimes the ball going long, he is a great option going long because he's so physically strong. He's got a great touch and his ability to bring people into play is fantastic. The problem is when he brings those players into play, is what they then and go do with the ball probably isn't good enough in the midfield. There hasn't been enough creativity. Yeah. So if you're asking me, should he be back in the squad if he's available? Yes, 100%. Should he be in the starting lineup if he's available? Yes, 100%. Well, imagine, you know, Connolly playing. I mean, look, Connolly's had his own issues this season with, with fitness and with form and so on. But if you have the likes of Aaron Connolly running off him, or if you have the likes of, I don't know, even a Daryl Horgan, who's got a bit of like, geez, I know we're, we're scraping the barrel here. But if you've got a Daryl Horgan with a bit of pace and a bit of technical prowess to him and, and you have McGoldrick linking everything together, it's it's already looking a little bit more attractive and a little bit more like a Kenny team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think... The other thing with 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 McGoldrick is he probably up front has more experience of just being a professional footballer than anyone other than Long. So you know, obviously yeah. you're looking at, at, at maybe Paris and 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 Ida and and Connolly, like they're very young, inexperienced lads. So having someone like McGoldrick around them, you know, within the Ireland camp, just kind of you know passing on his wisdom. It can't harm. It can't harm the team. So yeah, if there's a space room, give it to him. I don't. I don't know. See, I'm I'm torn on it because we need goals. I I rate Dave McGoldrick as a player. Um, and I I think obviously his benefit to the team is not his goals. It's his movement. It's what he does off the ball. It's the space he creates. All that good stuff. So he you know he is brilliant for that. But I mean, what sort of a message does that give to the younger players? That we score goals. (laughs) But. It's like I know, but but it's like we've got to get this guy back in because you guys basically can't do it. I mean, would that not be damaging for a young team, for a young player? Because well, you know, 
with footballers, I mean, I I I understand it. I go, yeah, you know, we haven't been performing, but you know, we're talking about footballers here, and your modern footballer, will he really see it like that, or will, you know, they tend to be quite selfish, don't they? They might take that personally. Well, then I think that I mean Nick's point there. I know he's uh, he's just saying goals, but but it 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 is the point. If if you've been that good, or if you think you've been that good, well, why haven't you got anything to show for it? Why do we have to go back and bring in McGoldrick? So, you know, if they're the questions that are being asked, it's then up to those players to go and show that, no, we don't actually need him. And thus far, like even, I know Dizzy's only just retired, and actually I don't think he's actually missed an international through retirement yet. But none of the players mentioned, I thought Connolly did well away at Finland, you know, he maybe could have squared that ball to Ida, and I thought Ida did well in a couple of performances, but no one else really has has said. Maybe I don't know what the, the phrase is. Has, has, has no one else has really staked a claim to say, no, I am the number one here. I am the man who's going to to do the stuff that McGoldrick can do and has done for the last couple of years. No one has done that, um, and that that's. That's because whether they're good enough or whether they haven't had know, the opportunities, I don't know. Do you know how many minutes Adam Ida has played since he's come back? I think it's eleven games since he's come back. You know how many games? You know how many 15, minutes? Fifteen. Let's say fifteen. He's played a whopping sixty-eight minutes. Sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. He's played. That's a, that's a lot more than I thought because he he's, he always comes on like past the eightieth minute. Yeah. You know, uh, Nor- Norwich are running away with the league yeah. as well, I suppose. Yeah, Pukki has scored about twenty goals this season. So, he's I on mean, fire, like, Pukki. Yeah, but he's, he, uh, he, he's, but he, but he's the guy, though, isn't he? That you know, he, that's who McGoldrick's on a play instead of Adam Ida. That's that's normally the position, isn't it? Ida is is very, um, yeah. Adam Ida and McGoldrick they tend to be playing in, the, they're fighting for the same position, so. From a practical sense, unless I'm wrong on that one, but on a practical sense, in a practical sense, I get it. I get why you'd you'd, you'd want to bring McGoldrick in. It just has to be. Uh, I think it's a tricky one. You know, I, I'm torn on it. I uh, you don't know why McGoldrick really left either. You know, mm. was it did was it a case of because look, I don't I don't give a shit what he says in the oh, I swore. Uh, I don't care what he says in in the press. Because we all know what is said in the press and what is said in person are probably two completely different things. You know, was it a case of he's turned around and said, look, I really want to bring in blood in these new players, so we're going to go in a different direction? Or was it a case of um, McGoldrick turned around and said, well, actually, you know, I, I, it is family and issues and I, I'm going to stay home. And, you know, it's this injury and all this kind of stuff. We sort of kind of came up out of nowhere. So I don't really know. It, it does seem like a very delicate situation. I, I get, I'm a bit torn on it. I could genuinely see the reasons why and the reasons why not, uh, quite frankly. If he did bring him in, i go, yeah. If he didn't, I'd be like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I think I think for Kenny, as an international manager, he has to put out the best 11, or the best 20, whatever, best 26 players. And I think that's where Martin O'Neill perhaps failed a little bit, where you know, you're seeing lads who maybe haven't got the same capabilities, maybe aren't as suited to international football getting the nod over other guys. And I think if you look at McGoldrick, he's suited to international football. He's not scoring, but that's hugely deceiving because under Mick, he was playing very withdrawn. Under O'Neill, he never played as a centre-forward. Never. He played in midfield under 
Martin O'Neill. He played as a number 10. So he, uh, he, he actually never played as a centre forward. So half those caps, he wasn't playing as your traditional centre forward. Mm. Um, I think he was very unlucky not to score against Gibraltar. Wasn't it an own goal? And then he, he got that goal against Switzerland. But for the most part, his role in an Ireland shirt has been to create and to be that little pivot, you know, in the, in the final third. And he's done that successfully. He's got four or five assists. He's got more assists at international level than James McLean. So I think the purpose that he serves is crucial to how Kenny wants to play. You know, having, I mean, look, having a striker that can, that can score goals is crucial. But in the modern game, centre forwards do a lot more than that. Look at Roberto Firmino at Liverpool. Yes, he, he does get his fair share of goals, but for the most part... His role is to link Mo Salah and Manuel Sané in. So certainly in the Slovakia game, in the playoff with McGoldrick, I remember thinking, you know, he's just playing that withdrawn role and it's the players that he's going to bring in. And I think by having a David McGoldrick in the squad, you could have your Connolly wide of him. You could have your Ida maybe playing a little bit further ahead of him. And perhaps they can all be accommodated. And, you know, it's a young team. It's a young Ireland team. And... People give out about, you know, I mean, we, we, we posed a question about Aidan McGeady a couple of weeks ago and people were saying, well, he's too old and all this kind of thing. But at the end of the day, you do need that balance of, of experience and, and youth. And I think McGoldrick, what he brings, as I said, is more creative than goals, creativity than goals. And I got slated, actually, can I just say, I got slated once <laughs> on, a, on an unnamed uh, website forum for saying that David McGoldrick was creative. And they gave me his stats, his Premier League stats, which was nonsense because his assist stats in the championship were, were through the roof. Um, and, and it's not just about creating goals. It's also about creating space. It's about creating secondary assists. It's about creating so much more than that. But anyway, that that person in question was a, was a fool. So <laughs> they, well, they I think were, you're, you're, yeah. your wider point there about he doesn't score enough goals. I mean, like, he was the last striker to score for Ireland. So in context, yeah. he, he actually has scored more goals than... And he's scoring domestic, and he's scoring domestically. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah and when, when he gets the opportunity, and it's very rare for Sheffield but like for me, he, as I said, he's just he's the best option we have, um, and we need someone like him to be able to bring people into play. Otherwise, we just go back to, yeah. to being because uh, I, I disagree. With you. I don't think we're a particularly young team. There's a couple of young players there, but for the most part, we're you know, 28, 29, 30 years I old suppose, yeah. and yeah. older. Um, so you know. We may as well use the best of those 25, 30, I mean, whatever he is, 34, 35, may as well, uh, may as well use them. Yeah, just like this conversation between us, lads, it's a bit of divided opinion. And David, you had a few a few commenters on the page during the week regarding Dave McGoldrick in terms of uh, whether they'd have him or not. Um, yeah, we, we, we put the message out there, as we always do. We try to interact um, with our fans. And I just said, what do you reckon, lads? Would you have men? It's not a statement. Just want to ask the question. And we, we got a fair bit of feedback on it. And I have to say, lads, it's, it's very 50-50 yeah. uh, from what I could see. Uh, you know, one suppose very stinging one is, no, he made his decision to not play against Ryan. Respect that. That's from Brian Carty. It's fair enough. Then Paul O'Neill right under it just says, yes, he's badly needed with the inexperienced young strikers. And then Sean Rafferty underneath that. No, stick it to players we have. And then literally under that is, yes, I would. And Pat Bamford of Leeds, uh, says Barney McInerney. <laughs> I think, I think the, the latter one is a bit fanciful, Barney. I think a ship has sailed on that. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, thing is, the, the thing is, people who say, you know, we don't need them, yada, yada, yada. They're the same people that say we don't have the players, you know. But anyway, sorry, David, to interrupt. 
No, no, that's a fair point. Uh, Dermot Walsh has said he's a class actor, best forward. I'd have him back tomorrow. James Byrne, straight under that. Uh, that was Dermot Walsh. Uh, James Byrne, straight under that. No, anyone who wants to play for Ireland should be calling him. Um, we need to stop chasing players who need convincing. Mm, that's an interesting one. Sean Galvin, yes, we are poor enough as it is. At least leave him. Uh, no, the door is still open to come back, should he choose. Sean Galvin. Aaron Moran, nope. Time for the new players to show us what they can do. Um, probably because we can't announce them all, I'll sound like I'm reading out the phone book. Um, Shane Lucy for a plan B, but knowing he wouldn't be happy about it, so I wouldn't even bother. So that's an interesting one, but it's literally just like that all through the comments. I can't believe it said book, Jesus. Um, but it's just like that all the way through. It's literally yes, no, yes, no. So it's about 50 50 on it. And to be honest, that's that's where I'm at. I'd be nonplussed. I, either way, you know, I'd I'd see the the, the pros and and the the cons of it. So I, if he's in, great. If not, okay. Yeah, so certainly some divided opinion. And we spent a lot of time speaking about our own squad, lads. But Serbia announced theirs earlier in the week. So um, a lot of itches, ICs. <laughs> so it seems that there's a yeah, that's that's a requirement of playing for Serbia. So yeah, a couple of couple of notable players that that we're well aware about. So of course Mitrovic, Jovic. Um, Milinkovic, Savage are, are names that, that we'd all be aware about. Um, Nemanja Madic, now he was, as far as I was concerned, he was retired from international football, but there were reports that he was snubbed. You know that 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 there was an offer for him to come back, and he he didn't take it up. And Alexander Kolarov as well is retired, as far as I know. And Mihailovic is this, oh, I can't remember his first name, but Mihailovic, who plays for Palace, apparently he only retired from international football yesterday, and you know partner of James McCarthy certainly plays more than him anyway but what do we know about this Serbia squad which is very much in transition a little bit like ourselves not much <laughs> if we're totally <laughs> honest um, we don't really know just what... that all their names end with IH yeah, or IC like, you know, they, they obviously have some some well known players playing in uh, high profile leagues and uh, high profile teams um, I think obviously the two names that kind of jump out that could cause us trouble are obviously Tadic and and uh, Mitrovic but again this is a side that lost a playoff final at home to Scotland um, I mean the Scots probably deserved their spot there in fairness um, but they would have looked at that as a massive failure yeah. to lose on penalties at home yeah is probably rather disappointing so you don't really know what, what kind of um, side they're going to be obviously we played them in our first game for the uh, 2018 World Cup qualifiers and it was a bit similar we were coming off quite a good Euros at the time and obviously they hadn't qualified and you know we went and we got a result that in hindsight you kind of went oh that was a decent result obviously losing them. but then we went and lost to the home and they, they won the group you, it feels like with Serbia is you never really know what you're going to get they could either go and win the group they could beat Portugal twice and go and win this group or they could finish you know yeah. below like well below us and were lose they, were they fourth seed? Were they fourth seed in the last qualifiers where we played them? Uh, yes, they were. Yeah, they were. and they, they ended up winning. They ended up winning Wales, the group. Wales, Austria, ourselves, Serbia. Austria. Yeah, and they end up, up winning it. Yeah, and yeah, Dragon, uh, Dragon Stojkovic as well, new new manager. So as I said, a team in transition, and as we've seen, like uh, you know, new managers can be quite drawn out in terms of hitting form, but sometimes it can be very refreshing for a team. So that that's a little bit of a concern in its own right. I mean, just looking at their last few results there, I mean, you know, you know, as Breen rightly says, they're just a total mixed bag. 
after they lost to Scotland at home in a penalty shootout, they drew 1-1 um, in Budapest. Then they hammered Russia at home 5-0. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, after that, they drew with the Dominican Republic and Panama straight <laughs> afterwards, 0-0. Nil, nil. Yeah. So I, I'm a bit worried about that, actually, because, you know, <clears throat> probably hammer us 5-0, <laughs> judging the way the results are going. Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't know a lot about them. They're going to be a very unknown quantity. Uh, they don't have any friendlies lined up. We are literally next up for them on the 24th, and it's going to be very experimental. Brand new coach come in, uh, Arsene Wenger's, um I think there, it was a guy that they wanted to get in for. They wanted to get in at Arsenal because apparently, although he had worked in Japan, he was very much um, of the same philosophy as Wenger. Yeah, so, who also managed in Japan. I think it was the same club that they managed. Grappa's eight, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, Grappa's eight. Yeah. So, you know, you don't know. We might be catching them at the right time. You know, or we might be catching them at the worst time. It, it, it's just very, very unknown. And I think form has gone out the window with this. New manager, new coach, new philosophy. And, you know, even ourselves. And COVID. And COVID, yeah. And you yeah. don't know. What's going to happen? Sir, you know, our players going to get pulled out because Klopp, I think, was threatened to do that. I know uh, Hasenhutl, although he doesn't have any Irish players of note under him at the moment, he was going to pull. Well, not, uh, none that he plays anyway. None that he plays. Uh, good old Will Ferry got a got a brace during the week um, in a two-two draw, I think, against Arsenal. And um, yeah, it's just going to be very sort of. It's, I really don't know how to call this one. I, I, I genuinely don't. Obviously, we need to see what squad we pick. I think we're picking ours on the 18th. I could be wrong on that one. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it, it really, really is just up in the air. And yeah. I, I can't call this one. I need to see our squad first, see what, what Kenny's yeah. intentions are, really, before it, I comment. In, I think a, a, good, uh, a good thing, I suppose, depending on the person and maybe during COVID, um, is that there will be no crowd at the game, which, you know, going to somewhere like Serbia can be quite an intimidating atmosphere. Uh, we've not, we've seen that before. So going and playing... Very intimidating stadium. Been, been there myself. Yeah. Like, it's it's unusual. It's underground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, it, it can be quite a... That might be might be an advantage, but there's so many unknown quantities this that it's really hard to predict. Yeah. Just to sum up, lads, um, Breen, this is something that, that you kind of raise off air, a, a little bit of concern. Do you do you think that this international window is even going to happen? <laughs> Whether it's going to happen and should it happen are probably two separate questions. Should it happen? Yeah. In my opinion, no. Um, so, South America's already, gone, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, they've postponed their qualifiers um, because they have that bit of extra time because the World Cup is, is you know, I think whether the World Cup should be in November and should be in Qatar is obviously a whole different conversation but you know you've got that little bit of extra time you don't need to be, have everything wrapped up by say March of next year um, when they intend to have it kind of wrapped up in terms of the playoffs but like in terms of this group stages football has obviously been run at, you know there's a game every like two days almost three days for, for the top level teams and players need a little break now you could look at it two ways they could cancel this international break and then the domestic calendars get moved up and you play some qualifiers at the end of the year before the Euros and give it kind of uh, almost as competitive games for, for teams going to the Euros before that and, and they're happy to, to get those warm-up games in. But realistically for me is what I would do, and this is obviously 
probably going to be make too much sense is cancel it. Like, give football a break for two weeks. Give these top level players a break just for two weeks. You know, we've seen a massive amount of injuries. Just players have been tired. Games are aren't great. I mean, I watch a lot of the Premier League at the moment, and and games are just so lethargic and. Because people are forgetting that they're that they're training as well. <laughs> yeah, it's not, like they, it's not like they're really getting a window of a break. Well, probably even when they are training, they're probably just doing like light sessions because they can't really go and do mad sessions because they have a game in you know twenty four hours time. Like Liverpool played the other day was it Thursday and Sunday. Now obviously teams do that in for the Europa League, but you know they played then they're playing again on Wednesday, so that's one they lost. They have probably one day's rest, maybe a light session last night. Then they go in and do a session today, and then they go and play tomorrow again. And then I think they have to play. I think actually Liverpool are, are bad again because they're playing Monday next week. But like the team, there's constantly, you know, games going on. So should this international break happen? No. Obviously, COVID restrictions um, are playing a massive part in this. You know, in most games, Liverpool are, are Liverpool. Ireland are playing Qatar and Hungary now, which just seems a bit pointless. Um, Liverpool are playing Leipzig in Hungary tomorrow, so teams won't be able to travel because their players will have to quarantine when they come back in. To say, why don't we just not have this break? Uh, not have this international break, give the players a break, and then we can move on to next season. So the, the main issue for UEFA, I think, is that UEFA are determined to run a Nations League next year. So obviously they're, they're running three-game international windows at the moment, which is quite a, a new phenomenon um, but I don't think it's one they're going to let go quite easily because it's probably going to be a cash cow and yeah. they'll probably say oh we'll make more money out of TV rights make more money out of, out of games and stuff so teams will probably want to keep that so next year they're going to run a Nations League and they're basically going to run it all in next June so there's there's four match days June, June the 2nd to 4th June 5th to 7th June 9th to 11th and June 12th to 14th and then there's two more match days in September. Whereas you could almost just cancel those match days, the, the Nations League. There's no need to have a Nations League. And, and I know people say there's no need to have a Nations League at all, but I quite like the Nations League. I think it's a very, mm-hmm. very good concept. It completely almost eradicates useless friendlies and plays semi-competitive um, games. So yeah. just cancel it. Move the playoffs, the little playoff tournament that you're going to have for the, the, the World Cup qualifiers to next June or even next September, um, which is probably maybe a bit too close to the World Cup, but have it next June. So next March, you can run the qualifiers you're about to cancel. And it would just make so much more sense. You've been given that little bit of extra time through a questionable World Cup, but you've been given that little bit of extra time. Use it. Just a bit of common sense. But I I, I think it's going to be very messy if they don't cancel it. Yeah, so that's why Brian should be working for UEFA. (laughs) Yes, I should be the president of UEFA. It's, I mean, it's just money, TV rights, isn't it? You know, yeah. if 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 they if they cancel the tournament, then Sky go with their cap out and saying, all right, um, you know, pay up, lads. You know, no football, yeah. no no money, and they just want to do that. And it's it's it, it's just start. They just want to get it over the line at any cost. They don't really yeah. care, and I do feel bad for the players a bit. And just don't forget, we got a European Championships this this summer as well you know yeah it's mad yeah. it's absolute madness um so we're gonna have qualifiers we've already got players dropping like flies the quality is going to be rubbish in that in that uh european championships because all the players are going to be knackered yeah uh, it's probably going to be a turn maybe like 2002 world cup i remember when you had players 
all the top players, none of the top players, maybe other than Brazil, really performed because we're so knackered. We had like a second, didn't they have the second group phase in the Champions League? Yeah, yeah, the double groups, yeah. Yeah, yeah they were completely wrecked, you know, and you, you're going to have all of that. And it's a bit like when you see the football over Christmas and you have like four games and something like six days or, or whatever, you know, some ridiculous. And the quality, you, you, you're just kind of sitting there, especially when you don't drink anymore and you've no alcohol to embellish it in your mind. You're like, this <laughs> It's like it's like Homer at the baseball game, you know, when he's when he's not drinking, he's like, I've never realised how boring this game is, and you just really see how poor the quality is. They don't care; they just want their money. They want to get the game over with and probably crack on with uh, 2022, and you know, kind of put this COVID nonsense behind us, which we all want. But you know, yeah, it, I, I'm not in favour. I think they should cancel all yeah. of this. To be fair, just cancel think- international football for this year. Yeah, I think common sense will have to prevail eventually. So that's all we have time for today with the midweek show. Just a quick shout out to Cahill Heppernan. So the, the son of Rob and Marion Heppernan, of course, the Olympian. So he's going to be training with Juventus, Roma, Atalanta and AC Milan in Italy. So the very best of luck to him. It's good to see one of our young lads going overseas and getting out of their comfort zone. So keep the feedback I, coming. Sorry, oh, I, yeah. Go ahead, Breen. Sorry, I know you're ending the show. But can I, just, I find all this a bit weird. Like, I know he's the son of a famous uh, athlete in Ireland, but it's a bit weird that, like, it's being like, reported on. And it was spoken about last night on, on the Claire Byrne show. It was so strange. Oh, well, that's a bit much. Like, I wasn't just, aware just of that. Leave, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's... Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, you don't get many young lads going over to Italy. But, yeah, I mean, if it's on the Claire Byrne show, that's that's pushing it a bit. But, um, no, it's interesting, though. It's a little bit left field to see, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not yeah, getting there probably, And we're probably... We're probably going to see more of that in the next few years with Brexit and so yeah. on. But but best of, best of luck to him regardless. Um, sorry that I've given him more airtime, Breen. <laughs> <laughs> I've put him so. on the page today as well. Sorry, Breen. <laughs> no, I'm not going I'm just the send your complaints. Send your complaints to Breen Doyle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we'll leave it. We'll leave it there for today, guys. Uh, keep the feedback coming. Check out our Mick Part Four. Really enjoyed doing that one and getting some good feedback from that already. So until next time, come on, you boys in green.